Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Because of course, Callum, it's been a while since we've um, come on here uh, and done a live. It's been a while since we've had to cover any football because of course, over the festive period, we've had two postponements. So coming up on tonight's show, we'll look back over the festive period. We'll discuss the postponements. And I know you've got a lot to say maybe on the, the Dundee one, especially. Um, we'll take a, a brief look back at the home defeat to St Mirren, which piled the pressure on not only Barry Robson, but the players as well, because I think it's fair to say both should come in for equal measures of criticism. But there will be some positivity on the podcast because the Dons are unbeaten in 2024, of course, Callum. A fine 3-0 win over Ross County. A change to back four saw some success along with playing players in their right position. Who knew it was that simple, eh, Barry? Um, but Callum, how was your festive period, first of all? Oh, it was fine. Uh, I am once again uh, gainfully unemployed, however, so if there's any part-time work going, then uh, let me know. Uh, but oh, it was good. It was uh, relatively quiet, but happy New Year to everyone. How, how was your festive period, Glenn? To be honest, the fact there was no foot, not as little football as possible was maybe a good thing. Yeah, I know we couldn't be, uh, our festive period couldn't be ruined by Aberdeen anyway. <clears throat> I got a new microphone um, for Christmas, so hopefully um, those may be catching up on audio or, of course, tuning in live with us tonight here on the YouTube channel. Um, I'm going to be sounding a bit clearer than normal, although that may be a bad thing for some, um, giving me more voice um, to my opinions. But other than that, yeah, fairly steady um, nothing too exciting to, to write home about but we'll get stuck into um, some football discussions because there is lots to, to cover despite not having a couple of games of course the game a lot of you look forward to was that game on the 23rd of December down in Dundee unfortunately less than an hour before kickoff the game was called off now I know you were down there um, Callum there was no kind of ever hint of the game being in doubt but um, much to the frustration of those that travelled and certainly by all accounts both sets um, of clubs uh, the referee deemed the pitch unplayable and um, Aberdeen now have four games in hand over most of the league Absolute madness um, yeah there was no real indication at all and then the sort of rumours started gathering on on um, X uh, formerly known as Twitter as I believe uh, it's often uh, called it was very odd. It was very bizarre, and it, it felt like we, we got to Dundee probably about eleven o'clock, and like the three hours we'd been there, it drizzled a little bit. I think it rained mm. through the night, but it drizzled a little bit. So you would have thought, if thought that that was going to be deemed unplayable, then it would have, um, you know, we'd have been aware far earlier. But it was very, very odd, and the fact that you know it was like one goal mouth, and they couldn't clear it in however an hour before kickoff, or even delay kickoff by half an hour or so to give mm. a little bit extra time. Seems absolute madness. Um, and then the fact that, you know, that Dundee's latest home game against Johnston called off again, it's uh, raised a lot of questions about the quality of their pitch, doesn't it? Yeah, it does raise a lot of quality around the um, the pitch, especially when you look at the three home games. We spoke about that in the build-up to the Dundee game. They had a three-game package. Ourselves, Celtic and St. Johnston all visiting Dens Park. Quite convenient out of the three games. The only game that is made it on 
um, was the the home game against Celtic. Also, maybe helps the fact that I was on TV as well. But um, certainly something that that needs looked at because again, yesterday, as you said, the the game against St Johnson called off when a lot of um, those certainly in the Dundee area said there wasn't a lot of of rain. So poses the question, kind of going into the winter break and potentially we, we've always seen January and February sometimes does produce some pretty bad weather as well where we're going to be able to fit in that that trip to Dundee but we've got a lot to to fit in as well so you think well that's fine we get well rested for the the game against Motherwell but once again Mother Nature has other ideas so an extended break for the players this one though seemed the right decision albeit took its time to to come yeah um I was trapped in Kirkcaldy and I thought I've now been driving up. I thought there's no way I'm going to be driving up in mm. that, uh, even if it is sort of if roads are open. But then it, I end up with no choice. But again, yeah, it sort of felt like they could have done that well in advance. I know there's um, certain Motherwell fans sort of on their way up already, uh, albeit how slow they had to go up given given the conditions. But again, yeah, it felt like it was inevitable for that one. I suppose so mm-hmm. there could have been a lot more time, um, but. At the same time, again, it meant we didn't have to, you know, watch whatever shite was served up. So that's okay. And we managed to stay in and be nice and cosy. But at the same time, I thought the little break that we had, you know, it would have been a chance to, uh, you know, put together some decent training sessions and uh, work on something decent for the St. Menon game. But at last, no. Yeah, I know. And I guess we'll come into that St. Menon game again. But I want to pick up the point that, that Sam Gordon put in the, the comments there about the need to overhaul who needs consulted and in what order before games are fully called off. Because, of course, the weekend of the, the Dundee game, when that was called off, you saw um, Cove's pitch at Balmoral was fully covered in snow. They called in um, the cavalry and they managed to, to clear the pitch of the snow. Um, and they delayed kickoff up until half three, but there seemed to be no indication that that could have been done. I know Tony Doherty raised that point um, as well. And there was a lot of kind of discussion around the, the game against Motherwell, whether the fact that with both teams already being in the city, could they have played the game um, and allowed those to that were able to get to the game from within the city boundary to still attend. Uh, I know maybe a few people had commented about could they have just played it behind closed doors? Because I think, you know, had they said the game was going on, people would have tried to get to the game regardless. Um, But I guess from the club's point of view, I know Dundee came out and said that the the game cost them about six figures. I'm sure despite that being a midweek game for us against Motherwell, it'll probably cost us a similar sort of uh, figure because, of course, these festive fixtures tend to be well attended, especially from the corporate side. A lot of people are home for Christmas. I saw a lot of people, you know, the offshore workers as well, commenting on the fact that both Dundee and Motherwell games were maybe the two games that they were home for over the the festive period and unfortunately couldn't get to either. But um, when the submitting game rolls around, you think, well, here we go. Let's, as you say, well-rested, a team that had failed to win in their last seven away games, well, you wouldn't have thought so, judging by the the level of performance. Looked like our mob thought it was off, didn't it? <laughs> oh, it was abysmal. Well, actually, weirdly, we started off quite well in that game. For the first 10 minutes right before they scored, we looked quite bright, we looked quite sharp. Uh, and then it all just went to pot and didn't get any better whatsoever. Yeah, and... I think that was for me the mental thing about that St Mirren game was the fact that we had that break and I was kind of expecting us to to come in fresh. I was surprised to see you know the the lineup that we had against Dundee. Connor Barron featured and then going into that St Mirren game doesn't feature at all. And 
the kind of scenario and what's going on with his future remains very much up in the air. I know obviously featured against Ross County, we'll come to that a, a little bit later on in the show. But, you know, at the end of the game, obviously, for those that stayed to the, the very end of that game, made their feelings very well known to um, Barry Robson and the members of the football monitoring board that would have still been sat up. Tawdry, uh, did you stay till the bitter end or was the second goal enough for you? Oh, the second goal was enough for me. I had Tesco to go and uh, stack shelves at, so I, I departed and I had a couple slices of toast before work. So it actually worked out okay for me in the end. I had a little bit of time uh, to relax prior prior to my shift, but no, that was that was more than enough. So as far as I'm concerned, it was, uh, it was only 2-0, really. Well, the thing was, it was 2-0 when both of us left, but in that time as well, St Mirren had a goal disallowed for offside and probably one of the worst penalties you'll see at Pataudry, uh, Mark O'Hara scuffing that wide. So even though it was two legitimate goals, it could have been a lot worse. And I think, you know, listening to, to sports scene on the, the way home, um, pretty much got home just before full time, um, Willie Miller calling that performance embarrassing. And I, and I felt that was so generous because it was much more than embarrassing because the scoreline almost flattered us in the fact that it was only 3-0 and, of course, the last goal coming in injury time, a, a really poor piece of defending from Stefan Gartman and conceding the penalty. It, that performance seemed to come from absolutely nowhere and Robson rightly under pressure on the back of it, but the players once again maybe avoiding a lot of the criticism because I think we've said that they should be certainly being able to take some of the flack, not just Barry. Oh, they weren't good. They weren't good. Let's uh, not beat around the bush. I actually thought Leighton Clarkson um, was doing a lot of work that uh, we didn't really see the rewards for. Uh, he was the, the, the key man for me in terms of actually trying to make things happen. Well, only a few out there trying to make things happen, really. Uh, Danny Povara maybe came off the bench and did a bit more than Chinny done it in his 45 minutes, and Povara probably done that in about five minutes. But it was very, very poor all round. But at the same time, sticking with the back five after we've changed to it against Livingston and we've seen it work and uh, just limit ourselves once again. I mean, I don't know how many times we need to say this, um, it, it, it was abysmal and uh, I've kind of wiped a lot of it from my memory now uh, <laughs> if Ross tried to forget it uh, and thankfully things got a little bit better but it was really really poor and it's like it seemed to just be the same sort of errors same issues that we've seen so much this season uh, and, and it's odd then uh, as soon as we change amazingly to a back four against Ross County we look like a different side yeah, and you know, as Kaiser says, the fans have been telling Robson to ditch the three five at the back for for months. It jo just shows that Robson has now a clue. But it's for me not maybe so much that he doesn't have a clue. It's for me kind of the similarity to Jim Goodwin in that he's a stubborn bastard that wants to prove that he actually does know what he's doing and his ideas will work and um, just might take a long time. And what I thought was interesting from his post match comments yesterday after the the win against Ross County was he said that in the last few weeks, he's learned a lot um, about stuff that doesn't work, about stuff that does work, about how the European stuff has affected and that he's done a lot of learning over the last few months. And it kind of goes back to, I know a point that, that Jonathan Main made when he's been in the, the co-host seat before and certainly comments he's made on the, the live episodes as well about the fact that this job shouldn't be an apprenticeship. It shouldn't be a, a kind of startup for people and some of the comments that kind of if you listen into that post-match interview in between the countless M's that 
Barry throws into his interviews, there's a lot of hinting that that inexperience was really kind of coming through and how much he's learning on the job. And it really was like, oh, for fuck's sake, kind of just shows the, not immaturity, but the kind of how inexperienced he truly is and kind of the pressures we've been under by having an amateur manager almost in charge of us this season. Amateur? Wow, that is a scathing review, Glenn. Uh, but no, I, I I would agree. And I suppose um, at least he maybe does seem to be learning, hopefully, slightly. I don't know. Um, it certainly should have taken this long anyway when uh, us knobheads uh, at home could, could, could recognise that this five at the back, three at the back nonsense wasn't working. And in fact, it seemed to have worked a little bit more when it was the 5-4-1 formation, when there was the sort of four midfielders who could get in support uh, of, of Miofsky or whoever was up there. But then we stopped using that as well, which <laughs> seemed mental, even though, uh, well, we went to Motherwell on 1-4-2 and okay, um, you know, you can read into as much or as little as that result as you like given how poor Motherwell have been mm-hmm. um, but they did go back back above us actually after we lost to St Mirren um, but hopefully now that is him starting to learn and he's maybe has learned that um, we just shouldn't go near it in, in games like like Ross County, like St Mirren, like Livingston, uh, and actually you know try play some football and realise oh we've actually got some decent players here let's play to their strength yeah, or as Skokser, who's been banging the drum mm. of the the centre midfield, showing that, that Connor and Dante are the, the future, and maybe it will stop Barry playing Leighton Clarkson as the, the midfielder that sits in front of the, the defence, because just shows what happens when you actually play him in a, a more forward position. He played off as a, a number 10 yesterday against Ross County, and <clears throat> I guess we saw the Leighton Clarkson of last season, um, yesterday and again this is for me the, the biggest frustration in those home games where you've got Graham Shinney running around like a headless chicken the game against Simirin was a prime example of kind of going back to our roots of last season under Barry where we should have been keeping the ball down we shouldn't have been hoofing the ball the, the first goal that we concede comes from Leighton Clarkson trying to play a ball long in the air and it gets held up in the wind Graham Shinney kind of loses concentration in the midfield and uh, as Daz Abel pointed out to me as well just kind of aimlessly watched Mark O'Hara boot the ball into the the back of the net from the edge of the box there were just kind of simple mistakes and again kind of going back to a point we made on a few shows ago where Stuart Fisher had made the point about players playing to the tactics employed by the manager not playing to either the conditions or a style that would be suited against the opposition that we're coming up against like you you mentioned earlier about you know playing a different style to when we come up against like St Mirren, Livingston and, and Ross County Yeah I mean certainly I do agree with Skolska's comment though about Connor and Dante um, I think we've been quite we've been quite vocal about it on here certainly I have anyway as well about I'd argue that those two make up three of our best midfielders um, and I, I think we sort of saw that against uh, against Ross County and it's nice to see um, Dante actually starting these games rather than uh, just in the big moments which he delivers in and then doesn't really mm-hmm. get much of a chance otherwise so it was certainly good to, to see him back in but it was a massive improvement uh, against Ross County compared to what we have seen recently and uh, I suppose kind of annoying in a way the fact mm-hmm. that it's, we've now got a little bit of a break before, our ne- before we next get to go um, but uh, at the same time 
plenty, plenty time to maybe get that Ramadani replacement through the door between now and then. Yeah, I guess we can also spend some time on this episode talking about the the January transfer window, which of course is open. And those that may have got the Aberdeen calendar over the Christmas period will know that already three days into the month, one player can be scored off your calendar as Reese Williams was recalled by Liverpool, having not played any serious competitive minutes for the club, um, unless those um, count the Challenge Cup game against Peterhead and the Aberdeenshire Shield against Fraserburgh as competitive minutes games, of course, which we did win. Um, certainly the Fraserburgh game, but Reese Williams, by all accounts, didn't exactly cover himself in glory. So one signing that is certainly going to be quickly forgotten, I'm sure. And I just wonder if the other member of the January page of the calendar will soon follow um, Reese out of the door at Pataudry. I'm surprised he hasn't already, but I suppose, yeah, we'll be as well getting into it now. What a pointless signing that was. I don't even want to know how much of his wages we were contributing. Uh, I'd hate to think what he's earning, uh, and he's just come up here and done absolutely nothing. Uh, apparently, a massive attitude problem. Uh, mm-hmm. We obviously don't know anything for sure at all whatsoever, but it certainly would appear that way given the fact he was not even getting on the bench for games. And it's a shame because it kind of was a signing that I was quite excited about um, at, at the time um, with the sort of experience he's had playing, playing for Liverpool. Okay, it was during a, a, a bit of a, an injury crisis for them, but he did okay. Uh, and he thought he would be able to come up here and do a job. And nope, didn't even play a competitive minute really for us, uh, for the first team. So. Absolutely mental, absolutely mental signing in hindsight and uh, quite glad that it's uh, been dealt with um, early on in January, I suppose. Yeah, and I think other than that game uh, against Peterhead, as Sam says, I'm sure he'll cherish the minutes uh, against Torriff in the pre-season game. He'll never played against Highland League opposition. So going from Champions League to Highland League, I mean, that's some slump in your career. Um, Although the Highland League is some league in itself. Um, we were speaking about the formation in the back three and mm-hmm. um, Kaiser pointing out the fact that if we had a game this Saturday, we'd probably revert to that back three. And it'll be interesting to see if he does so against Clyde. Before we get into the game yesterday against Ross County, I just want to pick up the point that, that John Keeler makes in the, the comments here about the 5-3-2 system. He says it's not actually too bad. It's the lack of two good wing backs and a centre midfield that um, screws it, obviously, you, you mentioning the, the lack of Yilba Ramadani replacement. And probably we have struggled with the wing-backs because Jimmy Magari probably doesn't cover himself in glory again uh, in that game uh, against St Mirren. Interesting to note that he didn't even make the matchday squad at all um, against Ross County. No kind of word on if that was an injury or just down to a couple of poor performances, but if it's down to a couple of poor performances, there could have been a few players that that miss out on matchday squads in general. Do you think that's a fair point, though, overall, from John around the 5-3-2 system? Um, I think, yeah, if if you do it right, it it can work, certainly, but we've just been doing it incredibly wrong. Um, In terms of the wing-backs, it's like, I like Nicky Devlin a lot. I think he's a very good full-back, but at the same time, he doesn't, he doesn't cover the wing part of wing back all, all that all that great, um, and when he's the only wide player with nothing ahead of him, it's a real problem. Then on the left side, it's just been an absolute shambles with players being available, um, really. And then when players have been available, sometimes they're not being very good. Uh, maybe a lot of the time, not being very good. I suppose in terms of centre mid, yeah, when Clarkson's the deepest one and he's trying to make things happen, but he's got very little on ahead of him. 
it, it wasn't excellent. Where maybe you'd like rather a holder there, which might allow the wing backs to go uh, a little bit higher up the park, give you a bit more width. Um, but it was, uh, it was, yeah. It's been. I hope we really have seen the back of it because it's been an absolute disaster for the most part, apart from when it's been that five-four-one, oddly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as Andy B points out, that Devlin and McKenzie are fullbacks rather than experienced wingbacks. Uh, again, I know a lot of people have been picking that out on on Nicky Devlin. You know, quite interesting. I didn't realise how much we would miss Jack McKenzie until his reappearance in the in the squad yesterday. Um, as of course we made a lot of changes. Well, three really for the starting lineup. We saw a change in formation going to a back four. Richard Jensen dropped to the bench. Still no place for Angus McDonald as transfer rumours circulate around his future at the club. I know I've certainly been told by a few people they don't expect to see him at the club past the January transfer window. For me, that would be a disappointing loss um, to certainly our defence if we needed the cover. Um, Going by media reports, Toronto FC from the MLS are linked with the defender along with a host of clubs from down south. Do you think that lack of game time so far for Angus this, this season could be see him tempted by a move um, away for the remainder of the season, if not on a more permanent basis? Uh, I would say I'd be tempted, probably. Um, we've been a pretty much a bit of a shambles defensively a lot of the time, and he's not seen a lot of minutes whatsoever. When he has come in, he's not done anything wrong that would warrant dropping. <laughs> so, um, And certainly, I suppose, uh, in terms of a chance to go and live in Canada, I'm sure, sure earn a pretty penny there too, uh, obviously, now got a young family too as well. Um, that would be an opportunity that would be very difficult to turn down, you'd imagine. And I couldn't really blame him. And it's a shame, to be honest, because I think he should have played a lot more football when he has. He's been pretty decent, especially with those six months initially when he first came in. Uh, really sort of saved our bacon a lot of the time. Uh, so it would be a shame, but I couldn't blame him for wanting to go certainly to the MLS and, and, and try his hand there. Why not? Different experience. Chance to live in Canada. Sounds pretty good. To be honest, I still haven't forgiven my parents for choosing Aberdeen over um, going to Canada. What the hell? Um, Yeah. Um, But hey, look, I'm here now and this is, um, you never know, this might not have been a thing had we moved to Canada uh, instead. But um, on the pitch, Paul Donaldson uh, at the top of the show saying it was a massive improvement yesterday. I mean, the barrier wasn't exactly high to judge um, that being an improvement, but... Uh, as people said, we've got to give Barry and the players the, the credit they deserve for not only changing it, but also raising the performance levels and kind of putting back to a standard that we as fans expect to see every time they take the pitch, not just against Ross County, as seems to be this season. Yeah, it certainly does seem to be. Uh, it was a vast improvement, um, different shape. It absolutely worked. Excellent and for me, the big the big improvement was the amount of midfielders that were then able to get up in support of Bojan Miofsky. Um, mm-hmm. I think you saw that with the goals, which we'll come on to. Um, and it was just sort of frustrating in a way that why have we not been doing this kind of thing uh, more often this season? But it's a, a big improvement and a good start to the year. Um, God, it would have been so miserable if we'd lost that and then gone into a little break with Clyde on the horizon, given what happened last season. Yeah, especially with, again, the game 
that game in particular being live on the BBC, you just have a bit of the fear. But of course, with the midfield, we went instead of five at the back, we had five midfielders, Connor Barron coming into the starting lineup along with Dante Polvara. And it, it saw a change um, to how we lined up with um, Leighton Clarkson coming in behind Boyan Miofsky, Jamie McGrath playing out on the left. And I was quite interested, um, if not a bit surprised, to see Dante Polvara line up on the, the right wing, thinking, God, how is he going to perform? But I was genuinely impressed by um, his play out on the wing. And as Ross Medine points out, Clarkson behind the strikers instead of in front of the defence surely must see this as more beneficial to the team. Certainly based on yesterday's performance alone, um, I think everyone can see it's more beneficial to the team. Let's just hope Barry doesn't revert to type um, in the games coming up. Because as much as yesterday, rightly, Barry will get the praise, as will the players. You know, one swall doesn't make a summer. It, it's, it's a win against Ross County. We should be beating teams like Ross County. We have done. We did it comfortably. We did it well. But it's now doing that consistently and regularly will help see us climb the table because of course you know we're going to keep hearing from the club whilst we have these games in hand that we're in a false position we need to win those games to climb the league table but just because we've got those games in hand doesn't mean that's automatic three points we've got to put in performances like we did against Ross County regularly to earn those three points. Certainly that's what I was going to say if we play like we did yesterday then there's a very good chance that that, that those Game in hand will turn into three points, but it is no guarantee. But Clarkson, absolutely excellent. You saw that in the in in, in the build up to, to McGrath's second goal. Uh, I really enjoyed for the first one actually about the fact that he tried an overhead kick. It looks hilarious, <laughs> absolutely brilliant stuff. But so many midfielders in support uh, in the box of Boya Miofsky. I think uh, Povara was waiting to, uh, to receive the ball as sort of a cutback. He had McGrath in there. Shinney was in at the back post, I think. Uh, Clarkson tried the overhead kick and then and then uh, Barron uh, waiting on the edge of the box as well. Or maybe I'm getting confused with the second goal. I can't quite remember. Um, but certainly a far greater improvement. But it's the type of result we should be getting on a more regular basis. Uh, and it's a, for me, it's a little bit of a worry that we've got so long before the Clyde game. It's a bit of a chance for Barry to overthink things perhaps and shit himself and go back to the back five. Yeah, you know, can't avoid, uh, well, can't be on the end of a, a cup upset, I should say, um, instead. But I think that was the the thing in the first, certainly 10 minutes, was the, the level of intensity to our play. It, it was very free-flowing. We were getting forward in numbers and we were using the wing um, to to our benefit. And we were, were definitely frustrating Ross County without being overly clinical um, in, in front of goal. We then kind of reverted to type and kind of went within ourselves almost and Ross County were creating chances without really testing Kel Roos and I thought kind of around the 20-25 minute mark thinking god the first goal is going to be kind of hugely important in this game please for the love of god let us not concede it um, only for Jamie McGrath to settle any nerves as you said um, Leighton Clarkson will probably be disappointed that he didn't connect with the overhead kick because it's going to be now included um, in the highlights of course with Jamie finishing that move but both the first and second goals come about from from good play and um, Boyan with the the cross for the the first goal I think his play in the build-up to that is is excellent uh, and of course the work Leighton Clarkson does for the the second goal as well that the nutmeg and some of Leighton Clarkson's touches and, and passes yesterday were, were absolutely top drawer. 
Yeah, and it's just annoying that he's not been able to do more of it this season. But let's revel in it. It was absolutely excellent. Um, I mean, the ball from Boyomiovsky, I thought a lot of Boyomiovsky's work uh, off the ball was brilliant uh, for mm-hmm. us and, and um, some of his hold-up play as well, I suppose, with having midfielders close to him was really, really effective. Um, great delivery into the box for the first goal. If only Leighton Clarkson was an inch or two taller, uh, perhaps we could have been talking about another another overhead kick up at, up at Dingwall. Um, but Jamie McGrath, once again, arriving late in the box and making things happen. I love that man so much. Uh, and, you know, he really earned the two goals. He really, really grafts, doesn't he, Glenn? Uh, he, really and he, he, he earned it. Um, what a man. What a man. And just, you know, he maybe goes quiet in, in some games, but when he's on it and when Leighton's on it, they're two absolutely vital players to this team, but players of extreme quality. And again, just showing probably how good a signing he's proved to be getting him in on a free as well. Yeah, absolutely. One that um, many people were sort of doubtful of, and I think, you know, given a few years done uh, previously, he'd sort of, there was rumours that he'd sort of turned us down. Uh, he's eventually turned up in seven goals, I believe, this season for us. Uh, none of them penalties. So he's not quite the penalty merchant that perhaps he was branded as. Uh, and just, he's, he's a gifted player, and so is Leighton Clarkson. When we dominate the ball and when we actually get the ball down and play football it's incredible what these guys can do and it's frustrating that it's not been happening more often we just hope that towards the back end of the season we can really see that quality shine through more yeah and I think that's exactly the point that Scoker makes in the comments as you were you were making your own point there saying it's not hard just put the players in their natural positions and we win we have a good squad if used right and that's for me being the biggest frustration this season I think I said it a few shows ago um, as well about kind of the comparison between, I think it was in the build-up to the Dundee game actually, um, where Tony Doherty's got a spine to his team, but we don't have, have that spine. We don't have that settled formation. We saw it again this weekend where the fact that we've changed our defence. I, I really feel that this Ross County win, based on the formation and the kind of starting lineup as well, we actually have a platform to build on um, and maybe we can see this team being used on a regular basis. We've now got that break to to work on that formation that we we employed against Ross County. Get those players really up to speed, and let let's see if we can we can build on that. And when we come back, look, I expect us to beat Clyde. I think we should be beating Clyde. But it's that kind of run of league games that we've got afterwards which is going to be the real test because we've got of course we've got a trip to Tynecastle and a home game against Hearts in the I think two of the first three games back oh I'm not looking forward to all that <laughs> um but uh, yeah it's play, using players in the natural position giving them the ability to use their technical gifts uh and and play to their strength and we saw that in abundance yesterday it's just hopefully we can see a lot more of it my concern was I thought we're going to be very narrow. I had no idea how the midfield was going to shape up, to be honest, when that first mm-hmm. uh, when that team lines came out. But it was good. It was good. Got to give Robson credit. It's a shame it's taken this long. But if we finally stumble upon something and we can get ourselves back in the mix in the league and make a decent run in the cup, then hey, you never know. But another concern for me was if one of those players goes down injured, we could be up a fucking tree. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose we've got Ryan Duncan, who you might be able to see in more of his natural position uh, rather than playing centre mid in a, in a, in a three. Um, you could see him uh, in one of the positions behind the strikers. But out with that, there isn't a lot. 
Yeah, and even, to be fair, even up top as well with some of the tackles that, that Jack Baldwin was putting in yesterday on Boya Miowski and Esther Sokler as well, you thought, geez, we're lucky to come away without um, any injuries. And certainly up top, you know, you're you're right to mention the midfield, but I suppose we should also touch on the fact that Duke's not being called up to the um, Cape Verde squad for the African Cup of Nations, which is certainly a relief from an Aberdeen point of view that we'll have all three strikers, well, four if you want to include Pat Habib Gay as well, um, available for the, the month of January. Well, hopefully, pray to God that we still have all four by the end of the month. More on that one uh, a little bit um, later. But uh, the midfield area is a, an area where probably we are strongest. Um, we've just maybe not been playing our strongest midfield uh, in every game this season. No, we have not. Uh, and we just decided to shove them all in there uh, against Ross County and hope for the best. And it worked. It did work. But I still think uh, there's certainly room for another holding midfielder, Ramadani-type player. Um, a bit no-nonsense. We'll do a lot of the work that Shinny sort of... Or you're looking to Shinny for, and that might help him too. Um, and also simply win the ball and give it to the technically gifted players we've got because they are fucking good when you give them a chance. Uh, and thankfully we did that against Ross County. Yeah. Um, and interesting to note as well in terms of strikers, Aaron Reed was um, recalled from his loan spell at Peterhead after only playing 12 games for the, the Blue Tune this season. So I guess that's now... We've got five off the Bavage remains out on loan. And I, I know that um, Kaiser's saying that maybe we should try and get the boy um, Papi Pabge out on loan. Um, and, and I don't see why not, um, especially if we can keep a hold of um, our three main strikers that we've seen this season up until that, the end of the window. Um, there was, of course, before we got the, the third goal yesterday, um, we did have a disallowed goal. Paul Donaldson saying, was the Shinny goal the best ever disallowed goal you've seen? I mean, where Shinny decided to turn into Prime, Zidane, Ronaldo, um, I, I've seen comparisons to both those players. Where he pulled that from, I will never know. But what a finish. I, I was so gutted for him that the offside flag went up. Well, you won't be surprised to hear this, Glenn, however, but I was queuing for a pie when it happened. There we go. <laughs> um, I, every time I'm up there, uh, or even more so in recent times, just in games in general, I seem to miss something, uh, trying to fill my fat belly. Um, <laughs> however, uh, I was quite glad when it was ruled out because I didn't know what it was like, but I've seen it back. Excellent feat he showed there. Um Amazing what happens when he doesn't waste his energy just running around barging into people. Um, and it was a real shame that it was called uh, ruled out for offside. And it's actually a real shame because Lane Clarkson could have, had he been onside, it wouldn't have affected anything else later on because um, he could have still, like, it wouldn't have made a difference if he was a yard the other way or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a shame. Uh, however, glad I didn't miss a goal, at least I suppose, because I came charging in and it had been ru- ruled offside. But excellent from him. If we could see more of that uh, and less of the charging around doing nonsense, then uh, I'd be delighted. And I think the people really want to know how good was the pie yesterday? <sighs> well, I only have only scotch left. So, uh, but to be fair, in terms of even as far as scotch pies go, you know, I'm not not a big fan. However, in terms of scotch pies, it was one of the best I've had. So, you know, they do. There's one, one thing they do well up there. Uh, if it's not football, golf, golf, Derek Adams, then uh, <laughs> it, it's the pies. It was good. It was good. 
Good. I'm glad you enjoyed the pies and the day out um, as well. And enjoying his first game of 2024 was Boyan Miofsky, as we've mentioned, got his assist and got the goal that his play deserved. His 15th goal of the season, the Macedonian can do no wrong in front of goal this season, it feels. And Skokes here was saying in the in the comments that the only set of fans that seem to be speaking about him leaving is Don's fans. But you can't help but feel interest is going to keep building if he continues to put in performances like that. Sky Sports News tweeting out today as well that the Dons are braced for bids with the, the price kind of starting at five million. Five million just for one of his foot, I think. But as Can't Be Bothered says, he expects there to be lots of interest. What's everyone's valuation? So, Callum, I'll ask you, what's the, the valuation that you would view as Miofsky if, of course, he was to leave this window? Uh, I think five million is too low. I would say eight million with a massive Hurin sell-on clause, um, plus perhaps any bonuses depending on uh, what sort of team he goes to. That's what. That's how I say. He's twenty-four years old. Um, he's clearly very, very good. Far too good, probably for us. Uh, with the way we've been playing this season, he scored fifteen goals in the league. I suppose. Um, yeah, I do agree with Skullscore if the interest builds, the price builds. But I'd be starting off minimum £8 million and a sell-on clause. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't even pick up the phone to the fuckers. Yeah, and I don't know if it was somebody commenting on our last live or if I saw it on, on Twitter that there was a rumour that, that Leeds United um, were sniffing around and had put in a bid of £9.5 Now, if that's a starting bid, now we're talking. Oh, yeah. um, I, I just wonder if nine and a half million in this window really tests the resolve of the of the club um but if nine and a half million was to say be a starting price i i think we would see a bidding war um between now and the, the end of the window but sam's absolutely right he's our player and we're in the driving seat um with this and i probably agree with with bob duff um 10 million plus um 15 sell on i think 15 um sell on as a, as a minimum i'd be looking at the like lewis ferguson range of 20 percent plus um for 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 boyan but a lot of people again commenting earlier in the sh- in the show about the importance of boyan to to this team for the rest of the season the, the pressure's kind of on the board um, this month because, of course, we I think it's fair to say our resolve will likely be tested between mm-hmm. now and the end of the month. It, it's so important, though, given where we are in the league just now and obviously games in hand, it, it's so important for our season and our hopes going into next season, of course, with a, a third-place finish and what that brings and also hopes of winning silverware this season, that we keep Boyan beyond the January transfer window and I think if we were to do that and he was to then leave in the summer he would go with pretty much everyone's best wishes yeah I think he would Um, I think sort of we're in a similar position as Hearts with Shankland in terms of he's worth a lot of money to us now as without them we'd be up a fucking tree and likewise Hearts Mm. with Shankland so we'd have to take a lot of money and to pry, us, uh, pry either of them from the clubs probably in January um, and the money that potentially we could get with Boyan staying, grabbing the goals and if we do end up somehow finishing third once again um, then I think well then, what was it, 6 million euros or something like we've made so far this, uh, from this mm-hmm. season 
Uh, not even so far, we're out, for fuck's sake. Um, you, like, you've got to take that kind of thing into consideration as well. It would have to be an extremely generous offer, um, and the fact it's certainly January as well, perhaps we are able to knock up the price even more mm. so. Um, but ideally, I'd just like him to be here at the, until the end of the season. If he goes in summer, I absolutely agree. He's definitely earned his move, um, I think. Um, and if we can still get very good money for him then, for example, if he goes on and scores 25 goals throughout the season, um, then I think we would be looking in the money and potentially in Europe once again. So ideally, we, we don't go. But I do have to say that at the end, it did look a little worryingly like a goodbye and I try not to read into it too much, but I wasn't far from it when he came over and gave, gave someone a shout who had a North Macedonian flag, which is very nice of him. But it was the couple of waves afterwards um, that was a bit of a concern. But I'm hoping that it was just sort of like a thank you. I'll see you soon, uh, given mm. we won't be playing for a few weeks. Yeah, well, I saw him, obviously, the, the video of him giving the, the shirt to Jordan. And I saw his sister Jasmine saying that he should have kind of... He promised Jordan his shirt in a game previous, but the club didn't allow it. And then the Dundee or Motherwell game, I can't remember which he said, was obviously called off, so he didn't get it then. So this was the kind of opportunity to to get the, the shirt um, after. But yeah, there was a, a video I saw from, I think it was Simply Reds, where um, there was that little wave at, at full time. But I think, you know, a lot of people reading too much into it, a bit like myself on uh, New Year's Day when Connor Barron tweeted, um, and not tweeted, it was on his Instagram about, about 2024 with the eyes emoji and I thought oh, for fuck's sake he goes that's him leaving and then he's named in the starting lineup we're, we're too quick to get our, our knickers in a twist uh, up here about the simplest of things so let's hope we are reading um, too much but I think the, the point in the comments here from, from David McLennan the valuation for, um, obviously referring to Miofsky is the difference between flirting with relegation and not he's the only player getting regular goals um, I think maybe relegation playoff because Livingston look absolutely murder just now and I think there are a couple of defeats in the last few games. For me, I, I struggle to see where Livingston pick up enough points to overhaul Ross County, let alone catch up with us. Um, certainly uh, at this moment in time, let's hope to God that doesn't come back to bite me on the ass. Um, but yeah, I feel, feel for Livingston right now, it's too much of an ask for them this season. Um, but of course, John Kilo as well also saying as well you need to remember the club philosophy is to actively move players on you just need to look at the the Ramadani transfer earlier where we turned a player we signed for 100 grand into into much more um, and that is the, the philosophy of course looking to to bring players in develop and sell on for a profit so it kind of interesting to see where where we go um, from there We'll come on to January in a little bit because we'll finish off, of course, speaking about the, the Ross County game and just kind of tied in with, with, with Boyan. Um, there was um, a penalty awarded in, in the game. Jack Baldwin halving Esther Sokler, I think, to put it politely. Um, second booking um, and then a red, but VAR intervened. Um, Because certainly on the first replay, I did think it was just outside the box. A lot of people kind of commenting on the fact that the foul kind of continues into the box, should it mean a penalty. But VAR overturning the decision, a free kick awarded and Jack Baldwin um, getting a straight red instead. But quite enjoyed the fact he had to wait at the side of the pitch to decide what was happening. And um, 
I did think, surely the referee's not just rescinding this and it's just going to be just a free kick for us. Well, that's what I thought at the time, but I was delighted uh, when, when he, he got shown that red card. I don't think there can be any complaints. He absolutely mm-hmm. wiped out Esther Saltcorn. I don't actually know what he's doing, because, OK, Saltcorn maybe gets a chance, well, he would, would get a chance to take a shot on goal and probably a decent chance he scores. But at that point, um, pretty much out of the game anyway, so seems a bit mental to make that challenge and then risk you know missing future games and I think uh, it'll be several since it was a straight right red card and a second yellow. Uh, very very odd. Not a good day for Jack Baldwin after he got nutmegged uh, prior and then uh, it was him that was on me obviously when he scored as well. So um, get it up him. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't I don't know I don't know. It looked like to me on first viewing it was slightly outside the box potentially on the line. I mm. think you still make that argument. Um, however, thankfully, it just doesn't really matter. Because, yeah. uh, it's a really nice position to be in, actually. Why do you Celtic and Rangers complain all the fucking time? This is class. Yeah, I know. And while well, speaking of Celtic and Rangers, of course, good to see Rangers avoiding um, getting a, a world record when Kilmarnock get their penalty at Ibrox yesterday. I haven't seen it back, but looked like... Um, certainly from reading a very soft penalty, but who's surprised at, at that? Uh, one final thing on the game yesterday. I know you were um, in attendance and a lot of you certainly in the comments were um, in attendance at the game. Was the atmosphere, um, certainly from those behind the goal, um, very noisy, obviously colourful as well, pre-match as well with the, with the pyro display. Um, I, I think it's got to be commended the atmosphere um, because of course there was a lot of negativity, a lot of frustration, apathy, anger. Choose whatever negative adjective you want um, on the back of the St Mirren defeat, and I think all of that was fully justified. But the way the fans um, got behind the team yesterday, from the first minute to the last, certainly watching on on TV yesterday, the noise came through loud and clear, um, and I think it's got to be commended how well the fans backed the team given the kind of negativity and, and, and anger to the team um, after just a few days prior. Absolutely. Um, excellent throughout, to be fair. I think it did help. Uh, the fact. Well, I mean, it felt like we were, even when it was 2-0, it felt like we were just taking the piss most of the time, which was class. Um, but great, great backing. And um, it's about time we got a result like that because God, the fans deserve it. They've been all across Europe uh, this season. Usually it's just up and down the country, but there's been that included too. Uh, always in good, good numbers and uh, absolutely excellent throughout. Sort of uh, Oxford's group adjacent almost um, and uh, they were absolutely brilliant throughout the game. So delighted that it was uh, finally uh, a rewarding three points. And uh, I think it's, it was good to hear that the, um, it's been picked up a lot on as well. I think, the, the, I think Robson made some comments about it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, post-match uh, not, nothing less than the deserve for the fans uh, they're absolutely brilliant and uh, again it was another great crowd taken up there too with not just the, the end but a wee bit on the side too yeah no I, I, absolutely of course we now go into the, the period of the, the winter break um, comes up so the Dons aren't actually back in action until the 19th of January uh, as we mentioned a Friday night game uh, against Clyde in the Scottish Cup live on the BBC Given, of course, the the win and the, the performance and the formation and all the positives that, that come with the, the win yesterday, you know, players in the right position, some of the performances of the players, the return of the likes of Jack McKenzie um, to the starting lineup, Connor Barron as well. Has this winter break almost come at the wrong time um, for, for Aberdeen in the sense that we've just got that win, obviously, 
I think someone pointed out that it's four four wins out of our last five league games. It's kind of maybe halted any momentum we're just looking to build. Possibly. Um, I would have liked us have a, have a game on Saturday, but maybe that's just my personal interest. Uh, I think it's... I don't know. Coming off the back of the win, you always want to just go in and go again, don't you? But given mm-hmm. the way this season's gone, there was no, no guarantee that that's going to be the case. Uh, and I suppose uh, from Barry Robson's uh, point of view, he'll be delighted to, to get him to have some time on the training park. And I suppose also with the first half of the season being so chaotic in terms of all the games we've played, uh, which we want to be doing a little bit of rest for the players is probably a good thing too. Yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned there about Barry, you know, getting work um, on the training ground. I wonder if there will be any break for the players, um, if they'll get either away as a group for some warm weather training or if they'll get a few days off holiday or if it will just be straight down to business at, at Cormac Park and, and working on things ahead of that that game against Clyde and that that tricky um, triple header that we've got um, on league duty when we get back. Uh, oh fuck! Stop reminding me about that. Uh, I'd like to think they'd be. I think they'll they'll have a wee break. They'll have a wee break, and then you know maybe a week and a half in the build up to the to the Clyde game. Uh, then they'll be back on the training park. But um, I just keep, stop mentioning. We've won a game. Let's stop mentioning <laughs> the tricky uh, triple header, and let's just enjoy it, Glenn. Happy fucking New Year! I was actually thinking this morning about the fact that um, the the games when we when we come back are against Ian McCall and Craig Levine. I mean, that's a proper throwback uh, in terms of managers we're coming back um, to face. Now, of course, when we come back um, from the break against Clyde, of course, we could um, have a few new faces um, mm-hmm. in the side. We could also have lost a, a few faces, as we mentioned, or Dadia likely to maybe um, leave the, the squad between now and then. What sort of areas do you expect the club to look to strengthen in, in this window, if any? Um, um, Bissouin's probably going to go as well, unfortunately, I'd imagine. Yeah, um, of course, because if he was, um, I'm more surprised around that. He was on Gary Forbes' flight to Amsterdam the day that we played St Mirren. I'm more surprised I didn't see a selfie of the two of them um, that day. He said he wasn't drunk enough to ask for a selfie. But I know I was definitely kind of annoyed about him being able to leave um, the country whilst we still had games on. I know um, he's not been involved, but I just think it kind of shows a poor attitude either from the player or the management to allow him to kind of leave. And it just certainly on the back of that St. Um, St. Mirren defeat annoyed me that there was maybe that attitude towards not caring about the team um, just now. Mm. Well, Kaiser says wingers, uh, David McLennan says midfield and Kaiser also backing up with holding midfielder. Um, I would be surprised if we brought in wingers given, you know, we've not really been playing the, the sort of two we have. Um, maybe Duke, you include in that, uh, if, he, if he plays out left, potentially three, but not really been playing with them. However, perhaps now um, we're going to start seeing that with this sort of formation. Maybe then you can see instead of Povara, an actual winger, that would be incredible and unheard of almost. Uh, I forgot about Shane and Morris, I suppose, too. Mm. A holding midfielder would be my... If we were only to sign one player, I'd like a holding midfielder. And someone uh, to replace sort of Ramadani, do a lot more of that dirty work, take the load off Shinny, uh, and someone who can simply win the ball and give it to our more technical, technically gifted players um, is my my main uh, would be my main go-to if I was playing football manager, for example. Oh, football manager. Not like you've got any content to plug coming up, is it? Possibly, maybe. 
now that I'm unemployed again. <laughs> Good to see you um, keeping busy um, whilst you still look for a job. Uh, a few people mentioning a, a keeper as well, because with um, Kel and Nadine expecting their second child in the summer, um, I, I certainly saw this rumour um, circulating yesterday that they're set to leave um, and potentially go back to, to the Netherlands to, to raise their child. So should we potentially be looking for a keeper um, in January? Is it a priority for January? Probably not, but I would like to think that the the, the board and certainly the, the, the recruitment side are, are looking at that um, ahead of the summer because are we kind of looking towards Ross Duhan as number one or are we got someone better lined up? Um, I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to, to meet off from St. Johnson as, as Sam Gordon alludes to. I, I guess the other priority for January... Um, depending what way you kind of fall in favour of Conor Barron. Stephen Wiltshire um, comments, has Barron already plans on leaving? If not, we best get him signed ASAP. Would that be something you'd be keen to see the club do? Um, certainly based on his performance yesterday, I think once again showing his importance, how much he's eager to get on the ball at every opportunity, looking to get it, looking to distribute it. For me, it's important that we sign Connor up if certainly him as a player wants to stay it could be well that his mind's made up to go elsewhere but certainly from the the rumors that have done the round about what he's been offered it's no surprise that he's currently rejected the deal and um, I think he deserves a lot better than certainly the rumor going around um but would you agree with Stephen um that we need to get him signed up ASAP what's the rumor Glenn now, now, I'll tell you off here. Thought I'd put you on the spot then. Get the bloody thing signed. Um, give him. Uh, if you're seeing he's been offered Tuppence, he deserves more. I think he's been um, one of our standout players out with Miofsky. I would probably argue this season. We think we've got a lot better team with him in it. Uh, it counts towards homegrown, uh, homegrown quota as well for uh, UEFA competitions, which you'd like to think would also be a problem next season. Um, and you don't want to lose good young players for absolute pennies, which at this stage we would um, potentially even a development sort of fee or compensation, uh, which would not be nice at this stage. Um, get him signed up. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And if game time it is the biggest issue for Connor and, and signing, it's absolutely mental that we're not playing him because for me, he's our best midfielder, certainly in the in the middle of that park um, and, and what he can offer to, to this team. So we certainly need to be doing that. I do agree with you as well in terms of a, a holding midfielder. Um, and, you know, I say in terms of like kind of looking ahead to the summer when we, we mention a keeper, I think a striker is something that we should be looking ahead to for the, the summer starting that work. Um, certainly now, because we've obviously not seen anything from, from Pat Pabib Gay as yet. We know probably what's coming in the summer. So I would like to see us begin some work on, on recruitment of that. Would Keanu Bacchus fit your mould for that holding midfielder? Uh, I'm not sure he... I'm not sure he would qualify sort of as a holding midfielder, but certainly someone who could do a lot of that dirty work, I suppose. Um, I think he himself probably sees him as a... Would, would rather be sort of more of an advanced midfielder, not quite in the mould of sort of McGrath or, or, or Clarkson, but an eight, if you like, rather than mm. a six, to use that shite terminology. Not a quarterback. Um, 
Oh God, yeah, Jesus, don't start. Um, none of that NFL bollocks. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've been a real potty mouth today. Uh, I'd like Marcus as a player. I'm not sure he's quite the sort of holding midfielder that um, I'd be looking for, but certainly if he was to come in, I wouldn't be disappointed because I like him a lot. Yeah, and Paul's saying, should we bring any of the, the players out on loan back? Obviously, I mentioned the fact that Aaron Reid's been recalled. I suspect he'll make another loan move. I wonder if he'll return to Elgin City. Um, Alfie Bavage is obviously on loan at, at Kelty Hearts, who, who Paul mentions. I, I doubt we'll see Alfie back. I think it probably benefits um, Alfie continuing development elsewhere. Um so I, I can't see any loan players coming back. I think Kieran and Gwenny is, of course, out on loan as well, but he probably doesn't fit into this team right now as well. So there's probably not much benefit in some of these loan players coming back unless they're going to get regular game time. I doubt it. Uh, no, I think they'd be better off if, if they're somewhere where they're certainly playing and um, getting that experience at a young age and they'll stand them in good stead, perhaps to stake their claim uh, in summer mm. should they be here. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think you know we'll we'll see that that come the summer there'll be chances for for certainly those players to to stake a claim whether they're given that or not obviously remains to to be seen. But January, of course, there'll be a, a long month for some uh, on social media with the, the rumor mills. Of course, I know the obsession many have with Matty Pollock and the fact that he was in Edinburgh with his now fiance um, has sparked wild chaos about the fact that he's only a few hours from Aberdeen and is he just stopping in Edinburgh on the way up to back to Aberdeen uh, I think that's most uh, I think it's most likely that they were just visiting Edinburgh uh, however and uh, I, I think a lot of it's in hope rather than expectation but I am all aboard the hope train uh, however uh, I don't know if he would do it if Angus McDonald was going off to Toronto maybe we'll see Matty Pollock teaming up with him in Toronto you never know yeah, well, of course, I know, again, a few people also mentioning the fact that he potentially is off to um, Hearts. Um, but again, the joys of football fans putting two and two together and making five purely based on the fact that uh, a player's found themselves uh, in a city. Um, you could imagine the amount of players that come up here to, to play golf. The rumour mill would be an absolute overdrive. Oh, it would. And I tell you what, once again, with my unemployment, so if anyone wants to help me find a job, stop me scrolling through Twitter aimlessly uh, in the hope of finding something small uh, to hold on to in terms of a transfer rumour, then please do let me know. Uh, and if you don't, it means we could see the return of the Callum Wright transfer rumour segment that we saw, which was hugely successful and popular. Well, if, even if it wasn't, we'll claim it was um, in the summer transfer window um, as well. So uh, we'll see if that makes a return um, through the course of the month. Of course, with no game um, this weekend coming, um, content next week will probably likely be in the way of, of a news roundup. Um, or, you know, something else could be in the pipeline. We'll see what develops over um, the coming days uh, around that. So um, if you are subscribed to the channel here on YouTube, get the notifications on because we could potentially um, look at a pre-recorded episode for next week, depending what happens um, in the background here. Um, if not, we'll be back um with a live episode discussing the latest news and transfer rumours because, as Calm said, he's unemployed. He's got nothing better to do than look and maybe start rumours. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much for tuning in to tonight's episode. Um, sorry we've been away for so long, but hopefully we've eased an hour um, for you tonight. And those of you that are keen to watch the darts, we've made sure we're finished in time for that as well.
pretty good, huh? I can't wait for the rumours, Glenn. I'm really excited. Well, at least you'll be kept busy and I'll wait to go and watch Thoughts. Um, thank you very much to everyone that's tuned in, whether it be here live on the YouTube channel tonight, on audio, on catch up, or as well on catch up on the video. If you have been tuning in, remember to leave a like on the video, comment down below with your thoughts and subscribe wherever you've been watch, uh, listening even. Oh, so professional indeed. Thank you very much for tuning in and we will see you next time on Red Tint and Glasses.